Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. I want to speak to you about the value of spiritual education. The value of spiritual education. Lord, we thank you. Your presence is already here. We are submitted to your Holy Spirit. Teach us Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. The value of spiritual education. Please pay attention. At the end of this, I'm going to be ministering. My goal is for faith to be better in your heart and for you to understand a few things. Then we're going to minister at the end of this. What is spiritual education? Remember, we're talking about the value of spiritual education. What is spiritual education? Let me define it for you, what spiritual education is. Spiritual education is the organized and orderly teaching of biblical doctrine with the goal of developing spiritually mature believers. The goal of developing spiritually mature believers. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind. In today's world that we live in right now, we have in many places a lot of fire without light. Fire without light. In some places you have light without fire. But we have to understand that the God that is the father of lights is also the same God that is the consuming fire. Spiritual education, brothers and sisters, it's not just taking your Bible and reading it. It's not just reading a book. It's not a, an haphazard approach to gaining knowledge. Please note the words organized and note the words orderly. Teaching of biblical doctrine. We live in a world today now where spiritual illiteracy is very rife in the church. It's very prevalent in the church. So, once again, spiritual education the goal of spiritual education is spiritual maturity. Okay? So what does God say about spiritual education? What is the will of God concerning it? God's will concerning spiritual education is that you and I should diligently apply ourselves to the study of scriptures leading to greater effectiveness in the pursuit of our destiny. So God wants you and I to diligently study, diligently apply ourselves to the study of scriptures. And this is going to lead to greater effectiveness in the pursuit of our dreams, our God-given dreams, in the pursuit of our assignment here on earth, our purpose, call it destiny, okay? Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, I'm going to show you in two versions. The first version I will show you is KJV, King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show yourself, thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing 
the word of truth. What I want you to focus on here right now for the moment is that first word, study. You see in KJV, that word is rendered study in the King James Version of the Bible. But in the NKJV Version of the Bible, that same word is rendered diligent. Now, you might think that the word diligent is not necessarily a synonym, okay, for the word study. Okay? But actually from the original Greek, which is translated, translated here in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, that word means both. It actually in summary means the diligent application to the study of. The diligent application. So you and I must diligently apply ourselves to this study. Another way of saying it is this. Study will never happen if we're lazy. Laziness, spiritual laziness, is definitely contraindicatory to the concept of studying. And as we go on, you will realize the danger of spiritual illiteracy. Last week I spoke to you about the danger of ignorance. But I'll talk to you a few, few more minutes here. Now, look at the latter part of this verse. It says, rightly dividing the word of truth. That tells you immediately that it is possible to, to hold the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, pick out a scripture there, and yes, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, but it's not all the application that is by the inspiration of God. And you can take the scripture that is given by God and wrongly apply it to your life. And today we have people doing that. They wrongly apply scripture and they say, well, it's in the Bible. Just because it's in the Bible does not mean that it is uh, the way you are applying it is the way it ought to be applied. There is a, an exact body of knowledge that governs biblical interpretation and then, of course, application. There's an exact body of knowledge that governs it. Scripture must interpret scripture. What scripture is saying in one place must never be contrary to what it's saying in another place. Are you still with me, friends? Okay. So that's rightly dividing the word of truth. If you go to either extreme to the left or either ex or the extreme to the right, you are going to fall into a ditch. And many people have become victims of the spirit of error. They've been destroyed. Destroyed. So we need to apply ourselves. Many people have been carried away by winds of doctrines. People have been victims of deception. But that will not be your portion. So why? Why do we need spiritual education? I get it, Pastor. I've got to go to school and be educated. Uh, I want to study IT. I want to be a doctor, a nurse, you know, a fireman, a police officer, and so on and so forth. I get that, Pastor. I want to go to college. I want to go to university. But what's the big deal about spiritual education? Well, let's look at this. This is a critical part. Reason for spiritual education. Spiritual education gives you superior advantage in your pursuits in life. Spiritual education, it places you on a platform where you have superior, sustainable advantage in your pursuits in life. In other words, if you take somebody that knows what you know naturally, exactly everything you know naturally, okay, whether if you are a, a lawyer, or you are an accountant, or whatever it is you are, 
or you're a trades person. Everything you know naturally now. If you take somebody that knows everything, and you take another person that knows the same thing, but has spiritual education, the ones that have spiritual education and having the same uh, practical knowledge you have would go far further than you, higher than you, things will be easier for them. Because spiritual education gives us an advantage. But why is it so? Well, it is so because the realm of the spirit is superior to and controls the physical world. The spirit realm, the reality of the invisible, that's another way of saying it. This reality of the invisible world is what bettered this physical world. In case you're looking for scriptural foundation for that, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3, for by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see did not come out of the things that are visible. Okay? The things that were made did not come out of the things which are visible. So they came out of the invisible. Alright? So it is spirit that made physical. The spirit realm gave birth to the physical realm. And that same spirit realm still controls the physical realm. It's too superior to the physical realm. Let's look at it in scripture. John chapter 3 verse 27. John chapter 19 verse 10 to 11. And here it is. First let's hear from the mouth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said in John 3 27. Now the context of this particular scripture is when some of the disciples of John the Baptist came to him and said, Master, the guy you baptized the other day you know, by the Jordan, you know, he's not started his own ministry and a lot of people are going after him. In other words, they were trying to tell John the Baptist, what's going on here? You started before this guy. You have a name. You have name recognition. You're, you have a first mover's advantage. How come this guy is not doing better than us? So John the Baptist had to explain it to his own disciples. He said to them, John answered and said to them, listen guys, a man, a man, a human being, can receive nothing unless the realm of the spirit approves it. Unless it's given to him from heaven. That's what it means. Unless the realm of the spirit approves it, you can't get it. Whatever you're looking for, if it's not approved in the realm of the spirit, if it's not given to you there, you can't get it here. In other words, life is about cause and effect. The physical world, what you see is the effect. The cause, the trigger is in the realm of the spirit. Remember the story of Daniel in the book of Daniel. <laughs> when Daniel was talking, talking to Nebuchadnezzar in, in Daniel chapter 4, Daniel said to him that, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, this dream you've had and so on and so forth in Daniel chapter 4. He said, it is by the decree of the watchers the decision has been made concerning you. You are going to go for seven years and become, behave like an animal. The decree of the watchers, the decision has been made. Okay? When his son in Daniel chapter 5 came upon the throne, his son also was drinking with the cups and everything that they captured from the temple in Jerusalem. And suddenly a hand appeared and wrote, Mene, Mene, this is my movie mind now. You know, but there was no music to it. He just wrote Mene, Mene, Tekal. You know, and wrote it. And the Bible says the knees was knocking together and they were afraid and they brought Daniel in. Nobody could interpret it, and the brother and Daniel said, What you just seen there, God just opened up your eyes to see what has been decided in the realm of the spirit. He said, You have been weighed on the balance. You've been found wanting. That's what it means. He said, Tomorrow your kingdom will be given to another person. That's it. Now, you imagine that 24 hours before, this man is still celebrating. 
and did not know that in 24 hours time his kingdom is gone. Logically, when you look at it, if he had brought in experts at that point when he was celebrating, they would have given him proposals of how his kingdom will expand. Not that his kingdom has only 20, less than 24 hours to go. The realm of the spirit decides it. That's why you, you need to be educated here in the physical world, but you need to also be educated there. So you can also be part of where the decisions are being made. Now, I love the one Jesus really said here. Matthew chapter 19, this is Jesus speaking now. Pilate said to him, that's to Jesus now. Now, so this is, the context of this is when they brought Jesus to Pilate. Pilate now, for some of you that are not very familiar with the story, Pilate is the governor over the land of Israel. Is the representative of the emperor from Rome, Caesar Augustus. So Pontius Pilate is the governor over the land. In other words, he's the one that has final authority. Now, according to biblical um, history, okay, history in Bible times, the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the, the Sadducees, the rulers of the Jews, they cannot crucify somebody. They don't have the right to decide life or death for somebody. Okay, they have their own laws, but they can't decide that. To decide whether somebody will live or die, it has to be Caesar. Okay, because Israel at that point was under the Roman Empire. And Caesar's authority was residing in Pontius Pilate at that time in the land of Israel. Are you still with me, church? So, when they brought Jesus before Pilate, Pilate could see from the questioning that Jesus was not guilty. Okay? So, he's trying to set Jesus free. So, he's just trying to say to Jesus, give me, just give me a little reason so I can just set you free. So he asked Jesus many questions. Jesus was, he kept silent. Jesus did not say a word. Ah. So he was wondering, I'm the only one, I don't have to consult anybody. I will release you. If I say you're released, you're released. If I say crucify him, then they will crucify you. I only have to say it, it is done. Don't you know the power I have? So he was telling Jesus all this and Jesus was silent until he now said this in verse 10. So Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Now at this point, what you would have thought is that Jesus would have said, oh, your honor, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, your honor. I didn't know. But look at the statement Jesus made, verse 11. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it was given to you from above. In other words, let me say this to you in computer language. Jesus was telling, telling Pontius Pilate, you are a dumb terminal. You're not the CPU. You're not the main computer. You're just a terminal. You're just displaying things. It's what they tell you to display. You're displaying. You're not the one that controls it. Just like you have a terminal here now. It's what they tell you from the back that this terminal is displaying. You can't tell. This is not an intelligent terminal. The intelligence is coming from the back of the hall. So he was just telling Pontius Pilate, the decision you tell me you're, you're reading is what has been decided. I don't have an issue with you. If I wanted to change it, I spoke to them at the Garden of Gethsemane that they should change the decision. They said no, it's their will. So once they said it's their will, listen to me, Pontius Pilate, you're not part of that decision making, it's their will. You have to understand this. Your boss that you are saying does not like you. Have you gone to the place where the decision was originally made? It's just a channel. And the one that likes you 
is also just a channel. God Almighty has made a decision. For somebody here today, a powerful decision in your favor will be made in the realm of the Spirit. He said, or except it has been given to him from above. So this spiritual education is what helps you and I to understand the dynamics of this place Jesus calls above. Not the way Jesus described it, above. Above. And he that comes from above is above all. Above. Above. It's not equal to, it's what? Above. 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 So let's clarify a major misconception in the Bible. So I said initially in my opening statements, that people have to rightly divide the word of truth. And that sometimes when people don't rightly, they can take a scripture and then they can damage them because they wrongly divide it. Well, here is one of those kind of scriptures. A major misconception in the Bible. This is a major misconception. People say this. Please listen carefully to me. They say God uses foolish things. Have you ever heard that before? Come on, speak to me, church. Have you ever heard that before? I heard it severally. I've been pastoring now. By the grace of God, just a few days. I've not been long in my pastorate. It's only a few days, just 23 years and some change. It's not been long at all. I've had this over and over again. God uses foolish things. God uses foolish things. You know, and at the initial phase of my ministry, I believed it. Because that's what they told all of us. That God uses foolish things. So in other words, if God really wants to use you, you've got to make sure you're very, very foolish. That was, if you have any sense at all, Jettison it. Throw away the sense. Uproot it. Go for surgery. Let them remove part of your brain if need be. So that you can be really foolish. So that you can be really used. Some people have said that. Now, I want you to pay attention to the word use. And the people we quote 1 Corinthians 1.27 as they're saying it. They say it's in the Bible. But let's, can we ourselves go into the Bible and find out what the Bible is actually saying? Come on, church. Is that okay? Can we go and look at this Bible? Let's go into this Bible and see what the Bible is actually saying. This is what the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God has... Come on now. Please, you've you got to help me here. Maybe my glasses is deceiving me. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. So this is a scripture that is misquoted and they say God uses foolish things. The Bible, not, the Bible doesn't say that. So let me show you what the Bible Let me tell you the truth. This is the truth. Truth number one. The first thing is God can choose God can choose and he does choose the foolish but he uses the knowledgeable. Where you start from does not intimidate God. He trusts his spirit, the Holy Spirit, enough to educate you if you will be willing to cooperate with him. For you and I to be usable, we have to be educated. Spiritually educated. Spiritually educated for us to be useful. As a matter of fact, the, the more spiritually educated we are, the more lighted we are, the more effective we will be. So, God doesn't mind. He will choose the foolish. But if the foolish decides to remain foolish, the foolish will be useless. 
completely useless. Let's look at it. So let's look at scripture now. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. Look at what it says now. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Is that correct? And it's profitable. Oh, really? For doctrine. Aha. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is the goal? So that the man of God. Maybe what? Let's stop there for a minute. Let's talk about that command. Now, what from these two verses makes the man of God complete? All scripture. All scripture. That's it. All scripture is the tool God has put in place to complete you so that you can be equipped for the good work. So let's look at the opposite of it. Without scripture, the man of God or the woman of God or the child of God will be incomplete, thoroughly ill-equipped for any work God has called them to do. Completely ill-equipped. Without scripture, without scripture, the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God will be incomplete. Thoroughly ill-equipped for any work. And you know, we are his workmanship created for good works. So how are we going to do these good works? We have to be spiritually educated. Somebody say spiritual education. This is why it's so important. Don't joke in it. You have to, you must give yourself to spiritual education. You must. Somebody is watching this broadcast somewhere now. You have to apply yourself to spiritual education. It's the missing link. It's sad today that when I read um, research that's been done in North America here about churches, particularly in America, by the Pew Research, the Banner Group, and a few other, um, you know, highly accredited organizations that do research, it's amazing how very low now Bible knowledge is among believers that go to church. You ask somebody, simple things, that it's not even revelation, just simple things. Who is the mother of Jesus? Elizabeth. People don't even know. How many disciples of Jesus have? Uh, seven, eight, three, three, three. People don't even know. They're guessing. It's a name three of those disciples. Say, uh, Apostle Paul. You see, people don't, they're just guessing. Simple things like, how many books are in the Bible? People don't even know anymore. Because people are, listen very carefully to me, friends, without prejudice, please listen very carefully to me, all respectfully. People have replaced spiritual education with man of God. I have my man of God. My man of God. I have my man of God. Why do I have to bother reading my Bible and going through all this diligent study when I have my man of God? My man of God will say, my man of God has not said. My man of God is not said. My man of God is said. Really? Let me say this to you. There is no man, no matter how anointed. Every man and woman of God, since creation, since creation, that has ever, ever had a relationship with God, add all the anointing together and multiply by billions. It cannot touch the anointing on the world. The an- Listen to me. The prophecy of scripture is above every other word anybody can say. Don't ever replace your own individual responsibility of spiritual education 
with a man of God or a woman of God. If I had done that, I would have died. There's no doubt in my mind. I'll be in heaven now. Yeah, I'll be in heaven, but I would not have completed my assignment if I had done that. You need to have it. My mom used to tell me, she's late now, thank God for her, blessed be her, but she put a lot of values, convictions, uh, convictions built it in me with my dad, and also wisdom, practical wisdom. From animal kingdom, practical wisdom, from plant kingdom, you know, you know from life, you know, you know, it's also in the Bible. It says, go to the ant and learn. Anyway, so my mom tells me this. It's what the bed eats that the bed flies with. Maybe there's one person here, your mom told you the same thing. <laughs> I hope you listen to your mom. My mom told me. It's what the bed eats. Because I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking now that I'm uh, a little bit also an elder now. Thank you, Jesus. Because, you know, in the air, there's no restaurant. There's no restaurant. So another way of putting it in practical terms for you and I, the day the battle comes to your doorstep, is what is in you. When you take a sponge and put it in water and you press it, it's what is in the sponge that will come out. So you need to have that. And you can't swallow your man of God. You can't swallow your woman of God. Your man of God or your woman of God, no matter where they are, you, they can be accessible to you today, but on the day of battle, their phone battery, they might be in a place where there's no coverage. Oh, someone said, oh, there's coverage everywhere in Canada. I mean, why have we have 5G, 5G plus? Wrong. Listen to me. I live in Hamilton. There is a place as you're going to Hamilton, you're about to take the bridge, your phone just goes off. Anybody that calls you at that particular point, they can't get you. <laughs> you have to apply yourself. Second truth is this. When was the last time anybody heard about this? God is a God of knowledge. People don't really say, they really do that. They say God is a God of mercy, which he is. Oh, God is a God of all grace. He is. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10. Oh, God is this, God is that, God is merciful, God is good. He is. But God is a God of knowledge. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 3. And who told us this? A woman that was barren that has been trusting God for a child that now went to pray, listen very carefully, in Shiloh. She knelt and there, she prayed so much so that the man of God has been disconnected from God, did not even know she was praying. She entered Shiloh with knowledge. He wasn't the man of God that got the result for her. It was the knowledge she carried to the altar in Shiloh. So she came out of that place in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 3. She said, talk no more so proudly anymore, anybody. Why? Let no arrogance come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are with. That was the action I took of going to Shiloh. God recognized it because I took that action based on knowledge. I took that action based on knowledge. I took that action based on knowledge. I was knowledge inspired, knowledge driven. Proverbs 11 verse 19. Proverbs 11 verse 19. The righteous. True knowledge. Proverbs 11 verse 9. Sorry, pardon me. Proverbs 11 verse 9. The righteous. The hypocrite with his mouth will destroy his neighbor. 
but the righteous through knowledge shall be delivered. You are already righteous. You're living your life, holy life. You're walking in practical righteousness. Praise God for all of that. You're doing the right things. You have right standing with God, but you will still not be delivered except there's knowledge. For if you continue in my word, then shall you be my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. It is the truth you know that makes you free. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. So don't forget that God is a God of knowledge. Oh, somebody say, well, well, you know, if you know, you will be proud. Let me say this to you. If you don't know, you can be proud and be in bondage. For sure you'll be in bondage. And you can also be proud in your ignorance. I've seen many people that are proud in their ignorance. They don't know and they celebrate it. They say, oh, what you don't know will, will not kill you. Seriously? My original training was as a pharmacist. I can tell you this. What you don't know, it will kill you. <laughs> and what you think you know and you ignore, it can still kill you. I've been there. I've seen it literally. Advantages of spiritual education. And let's close. Then we'll, we're going to pray. Are you getting something today? What are the advantages of spiritual education? The first advantage I want to share with you today is an assurance of your faith. Ah, assurance of faith. How many people today, how many Christians have an assurance about God? Some don't even believe. If some people read one, just one article that says, you know, they just read one, you come across an article that says, you know, we're not sure if Jesus even, if God exists. All of a sudden, their faith is rocked. Their faith is rocked because they never had an assurance of faith because they are spiritually illiterate. They don't have spiritual education. Sometimes ago, many years ago, maybe about 10, 15 years ago now, some strange archaeologist said that, oh, oh, that in Jerusalem while they were digging, they saw a particular bone and they feel that that bone might be the bone of Jesus. Some people Straight was rocked. I said, look at these people. Some, in North America here, some people's faith was really rocked. I said to myself, this is unbelievable. This is very unbelievable. You mean you don't believe? All this while? Are you singing? You're singing? <laughs> You're singing different songs to him? You don't believe he rose from the dead? If you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, you are not a Christian. You are still in your sin. First Corinthians about 15, just in case you're looking for scripture. It says your faith is futile. People don't have an assurance. Listen to me. There is nobody, there's nothing that can ever convince me that Jesus is not alive. I'm not saying this to you because of testimonies in my life, because of the miracles I've seen. That's not the reason why I'm telling you that. That's too inferior to base your faith on. I'm telling you because the word of God says so. And I've come to believe that. I believe that. I believe it. I believe it completely. When our pastor was preaching on Friday, was telling us about the man he met and was sharing with this man about how Jesus, one man, came and died and took away the whole sin of the world. And the person he was telling was saying, ha, how is that possible? You to think about it. Do you think that is reasonable? Now, you know, if you are not a strong Christian, some people, they go out for evangelism. 
and they're talking to somebody that doesn't believe, and the person says, you too, think about what you're saying. <laughs> so they will come back and say, hmm. it's actually true. Maybe even me, I don't know my mind, I don't know how my mind is working. And that's the, their point from, from that point, they begin to backslide. They go out to evangelize, and the atheists will evangelize them. No, no, should not be so. You have confidence. Taste and see the Lord is God. You know, the apostle said, these things we have handled, the word of life. He said, we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and we have had. We cannot but speak of it. So you tell, whether it's, whether, whether it's right before God or man to stop preaching. It's that, you know, the earlier disciples, they died for it. Some of them were crucified upside down. Some were thrown into barrels of boiling oil. Some were, they were they dug the ground, they threw them into the ground, and they covered it with sand, some of the earlier Christians. And they said, we will never deny Jesus. They believed it. But how does that believe? How does that assurance come? Listen to this. Luke chapter 1 verse 4. It doesn't just come just by, by wishing it. In as much, Luke chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4, as many has taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, word, delivered them to us. Now listen to this now. It seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you, what kind of an account is this now? An orderly account. An orderly account. What is the goal of this orderly account? Verse 4, that you may know the certainty of the things in which you were instructed. So you've been instructed yeah, I believe. Yeah, I know. But when challenges come, you can't believe. It's because you've not had an orderly account. When you have an orderly account, the certainty, you know the certainty. That's why then Paul was writing. Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he said, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit that in much assurance. Much assurance. That's why you should get to. I believe it. Everything I'm telling you, I say here, yeah, I believe it with my whole being. I believe it. Can God heal? Ah, I believe it. It's not theory for me. So somebody say, somebody might say, well, you know, miracles have gone past. Some people, they call them cessationists. They believe that the miracles ended with the apostles and that since, since God raised up scholars and they put the Bible together, compiled, canonized the Bible. All right? 66 books of the Bible. And that since then, that's it. Miracles have ended. Well, no matter what anybody can tell me, I believe it. Jesus Christ is the same. And I'm not just telling you because I've experienced miracles. I am a living miracle. I'm a wonder to many. But that is not the reason why I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because the Bible tells me the same Jesus that began the work, the Bible never says he stopped. John chapter 2 verse 11 says, this sign, he began, this was the beginning of science and his disciples believed in him. The beginning of science, which Jesus did, John 2, 11. But the Bible never said this was the end of science that Jesus did. Never. The Bible actually said that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that does not change. He's immutable. What he did then, he's still doing. So when he showed up to John, he told John in, John, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. No, verse 18, pardon me. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. He said, listen, I'm the one who lives. I was with you physically on the earth, John. I died. He said, but I want to let you know, John. 
three words only. I'm alive. I'm alive. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. I know it. I believe it. So the first thing is certainty. Assurance. The second advantage, we're looking at only three before we shut down um, this part of the service, then we're going to go into administration. The second one is stability. You can have stability in your life. There are many Christians that jump from one church to another church to another church to one ministry after another ministry. They hear that in this particular ministry, they're doing anointing service today. They jump there. This particular ministry, next, another ministry is on there. They're doing mantu. They go there. Another ministry, another place now. This one now. They're going to lay hands. They jump there. This one now is online. They say, send your prayer points. They go there. Listen to me. All of this is an indication of spiritual immaturity. It's as simple as that. It's spiritual immaturity. A rolling stone never gathers moss. Psalm 92, it's not on my scribe. Give it to me. Psalm 92, you know, from verse 1, Psalm 92. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Come on, come on, show me. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Thank you, Jesus. To declare your loving kindness in the morning, come on. Your faithfulness, come on now, every night. Keep going, please. On an instrument of ten strings. On the lute, keep on going. On the harp, harmonious sound. Thank you, Lord. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. Keep going, please. I will triumph in the work of your hands. How will I do that? Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. Keep going, verse 6. A senseless man does not know it, nor the full understand this. Keep going. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, come on now, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, you're on high forevermore. Just keep going. I'm going somewhere now. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. All right. But my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed. So, 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 so. Now, watch this now. Pay attention. Now, many people of Afro-Caribbean descent, you're going to begin to like this now. See now. Verse 11, keep going now. My eyes have also seen my desire of my enemies. See that? You like it, eh? Uh-huh. Next, <laughs> next one. My ears hear my desire on the wicked. Who rose up against me? Ah, stop there. Just stop there for a minute. I love this. This is victory, right? Yeah. Come on, speak to me, church. Is this victory? Yeah. All right, but what is the key to this victory? Verse 12. Verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow. Keep going. Those You are not going to have that victory. You can quote all the scripture. Don't quote it out of context. That's part of the things I'm going to teach you in the Academy of Faith. There is pretext, there is post-text, and there is text. And all of them together is called context. Don't worry, don't worry, don't be scared. All, all of that is just, a, I'm just telling you how to understand your Bible. All of that is just the way they scare us. But don't be scared. I will tear everything down to pieces to you you will get to understand it. So when you pick your Bible, when you pick your Bible, you won't just go to your favorite psalm and read your favorite psalm. I was making fun of Topsy. When she was in, when I met her, she was in university in, in London studying, um, doing a master's degree in management. And I met her and one of her friends. I was making fun of her two days ago. 
And I, you know, I visited her in Wembley where she was living, and I saw books all over the floor, you know, economics, so and so and so. But I still remember economics. She was doing some exams, you know, macroeconomics, microeconomics, and all manners of stuff. Then I saw the Bible. And the Bible was open to a particular uh, psalm that I know that psalm by heart. I know the psalm by heart in the English version, but even more so in my dialect. And that psalm in my dialect is very, I mean, it's something else. It's Psalm 35. Now, that's Psalm 35 says, <laughs> Psalm 35, verse 1. Plead my cause, O God, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight me. Now, now, now don't, don't stop there, don't worry. We won't read the rest. Now, listen to me now. Now, what does a student in the university, what are they doing with that kind of prayer? She now told me later, I said, what are you doing? Because I know when I was growing up, this type of prayer, we use it against people that were real declared enemies, astronauts, and kind of people. You understand? Now, she's using it against a lecturer. But you know what happened, though? <laughs> so I said to her, I said, you have been playing when you should be studying. That's why you did this now. So you won't take the word of God out of context. When you see a promise, immediately you see the promise. You look for the pretext, you look for the post-text so that you can take that promise and fulfill the condition for it because it's only if you are willing and obedient that you will eat the fruit of the land. So you can't just say, fruit of the land, I claim you. Are you willing? Are you obedient? If they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Because they've set your love, they've say, set his love upon me. Therefore, with long life, I will satisfy him. But it starts from the very beginning. He that dwells in the secret place of the most high God and abide under the shadow of the almighty God. If you take yourself out of that shadow, long life is not guaranteed. You see? Context. It's very, very important. Don't worry about the, the language. Stability. Stability. When you know, when you have spiritual education, you have stability. You know there are many fads. They will come, they will go. But the word of God will remain forever. So you build it on the word. We have confidence. Because what brought us here is the word. The word took us to this point. So our future is assured. We didn't come here by gimmicks. We didn't get to this point in our life by gimmicks. We got here because the word of God took us here. Thank you, Lord. The grass will wither. The flower will fade. But the word of God abides forevermore. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Stability. Isaiah 33, verse 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. Many people are saved, but they have no strength. Of faith. Why? Because there's no wisdom and knowledge. That's the only thing that will be the stability of your times. So when you see people running all over the whole place, they don't have wisdom. They don't have knowledge. That's what it means. They don't have wisdom. They don't have knowledge. There are some things that at 1 a.m. in the morning, you yourself, you will wake up. You will shut down the activities of the enemy because you stand. You have the authority. You have the knowledge. 
Let me tell you this. The best thing any man of God or woman of God can ever do for you in your life is to equip you to do the work. That's it. That's it. That's the best thing. The best gift they can give you. Thank God. A man of God or a woman of God will pray for you. I'm going to be praying in a few minutes. We'll pray for you. Oh, glory be to God for that. Thank God they would minister to you the will of that. But let me tell you, the best thing, remember what my mother told me again, is what the bird eats that the bird flies with. You know when you, you see, when I was investing in those days, all those philosophy students, law students, they used to tell us things. You know, when they want to harass us like they know, they come and bring one serious quote, quotable quote. And they would say things like, give a man a fish. You fed him for a day. Teach him how to fish. You fed him for life. But really, it's true. It's true. Teach him how to fish in the Bible. Kai. You've made him for life. Anywhere you go in life, you can stand. You can stand. You have stability. When somebody wants to deceive you, say, hey, hey, hey. stop there. Stop there. What do you know? What do you know? People like me, you want to be deceiving with that nonsense? No, I'm way beyond that. That's primary school stuff. Advantage number three. Freedom from inferiority. There are people today that their destiny has collapsed under inferiority. God has great plans for them. God has given them great vision. They have great dreams, great aspirations. They distilled it down in writing into what is called great proposals. They have plans. They've written it down. They've done all of that. But guess what? Inferiority. Because in life, you will never move beyond your self-image. You will never, never, is a law, you will never attempt anything beyond the way you see yourself. Beyond the way you see yourself. Numbers 13, the people said, we're grasshoppers in their eyes, and so we were. In our eyes, rather. We're grasshopper in our own eyes, and so we were in their sight. So you will have thought that they look down on us. That's why we're not looking down on ourselves. No, it's the other way around. We look down on ourselves. That's why they look down on us. If I don't have self-respect, I should not demand respect. If I don't have self-discipline, then I should be, I should expect external discipline. The way you see yourself, that's what is going to determine what you can handle. I remember the first time we came into this building, you know, the whole building, this whole warehouse, 100,000 square feet, coming from, where we're coming from, 13,000 square feet. When we entered there, I came in with some powerful people. One of them, after we prayed and, you know, said to me, said, ah, pastor, you have a big heart. You see, but there is something that helps you. What I did not start with that. And right now, as I look at this, you might not see it now, but I can tell you for sure, this building is too small. I tell you that for sure. It's too small. You see, what makes people feel inferior is because they don't know. They don't know. So let's look at it from scripture, right? Job 12:3. Job 12:3. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. If I have, if I know what you know, then I'm not, I'm not going to be inferior to you. You know, once I know what you know, do you know what they call us? Colleagues. Yeah. Colleagues. That's it. That's how to become somebody's colleague. You know, I was in pharmacy school and some of these people, powerful people, they had some letters behind their name. They were harassing us. B-Farm, M-Farm, M-Field, PhD. They harassed us. Then I kept on climbing, climbing, climbing. 
Then I got my final year. Then I wrote my final exam. Ah. Then I passed. Then I got the BFA. And the, the same people that were harassing us, they shook hands with me. We're now colleagues. We're now colleagues. We're now colleagues. I now have enough knowledge, body of knowledge to practice as a pharmacist. So we're now colleagues. Their attitude suddenly changed. Let's look at the next one. Job 13.2. What you know, I also know. I'm not inferior to you. So when you start feeling inferior, just understand that your knowledge base is low. Your knowledge base is low. But the case of the Almighty God, nobody intimidates me ever in this life. Nobody is going to ever intimidate me. Because in my own particular field, I'm also not, I'm not a rat. I'm not boasting, I'm just telling you. I'm not, I'm not a cockroach. In my field, I know, I know it. I, I don't know everything, but I know enough to be where I am today. So I'm not afraid of the result. The result does not intimidate me. I'm not afraid of it. Because I know it came, we came by knowledge. So it can be replicated again as long as the knowledge is kept. You know, in 1945, in the Manhattan Project, 1945, 1940, between 1943 and 1945, in a project that was called the Manhattan Project, United States of America had some scientists all come together and they designed and developed what is called the atomic bomb, which, you know, in Second World War, unfortunately, one was thrown on Hiro Hiroshima, the other one Nagasaki in Japan. Are you still with me? The only two historical records of where, how the nuclear weapons were used. But this is the point I'm trying to make. That is 1943, 42, 41 to 45. So that's about 80 years ago now. I guarantee you, every scientist that worked on it originally are dead. Is that true or not? Every one of them are dead. But that body of knowledge of how to make it has been preserved. Some people have now gone to school, they just came out of school maybe in the last two, three years. They've gained that body of knowledge. They brought them into that. They've initiated them into that body of knowledge. The body of knowledge is there. They're no longer inferior. As a matter of fact, they've made superior weapons. They've taken that knowledge to another level. So what they were respecting before and saying, my God, I can't believe. Look at this. My God, Albert Einstein. My God, this is amazing. They're like, now, no, we're colleagues. You know it. And you know, there's so much out there now. It just has to be put in an orderly account. And that's what our, our Academy of Faith is doing. Starting September 10th. We're putting that together for you to walk you through. So that anywhere you go, you will not be inferior. Usually when you take the average Pentecostal charismatic person, they know nothing. And I mean nothing. They know how to push. Holy Ghost, hallelujah. Some of them cannot even stand straight without shaking. Oosh, ah, Holy Ghost. So you start saying to yourself, please, how, where? And this person that is saying Holy Ghost, their life is completely messed up. I remember one particular sister. I didn't see her in church. I saw her. I saw, I saw her. I said, oh, my sister, you know, I'm not seeing you. Are you okay? We did this major program and you know, we are all praying for it. Then the program came and we did not see you. You saw everything all right and everything. We sent some people to call you, to reach out to you. They couldn't reach out to you. Is everything fine? Oh, she said, yeah. She said, the Holy Spirit told me that I should stay at home and be praying for the program. And I didn't come. Ah. See, that's the that you Thou shalt not forsake the assembly of the brethren as is the manner of some. Seeing that the day draws near. Hebrews 10.25. These are people 
Say they go from strength to strength. If each and every each and every one, as they appear before God in Zion, this one, that one has wrongly divided the word of truth. But they felt she was more spiritual. You see, Satan deceives you, and you think you're more spiritual when you don't have grounding. You don't have grounding. Somebody is called. You're serving in a particular church, in a particular unit. You're a volunteer in the ocean department in a technical team. You got a job in a new province. You'll be going to the new province in the next two, three months. Fantastic. But you don't tell anybody. Then one day you just come up and say, um, please, um, I want to just inform you, today is my last Sunday. You see, you've broken the powerful principle. Let everything be done decently and in order. You didn't do everything decently and in order. I see the Holy Ghost moved me. You see, this is, this is the way of the Pentecostals. When they want to cover their ignorance, they say it's the Holy Ghost. Sir, Sir, we have accused this Holy Ghost. His indictment is a lot. We've slapped upon him. I'm sure when we get to heaven, there's some people that the Holy Spirit will just say, come here first. Just come here. Come here. Come here. We need to talk. What was it that you said I said? I've not spoken to you for 40 years. Keep lying on me. Lying on me. One man came and said, the Holy Spirit told me to resign from my job. You have a family. When the same Holy Spirit wrote and said, he that cannot feed his family is worse than an infidel. But you didn't read that one. Said the Holy Just say you don't like your job. Don't say the Holy Ghost told you to resign. People say the Holy Ghost told them to do many things that the Holy Ghost did not tell them. Because the people feel they will get a sense of heightened spirituality if I told you God spoke to me. You are not more spiritual if God spoke to you. You say, my sheep. You hear my voice. What's the big deal? I know the voice of my biological father. So what's the big deal? My biological father speaks to me. I know his voice. Even when he's not speaking, I can hear his voice. The one he told me before, I'm still hearing it. <laughs> you know? What is the big deal? It's not a big deal. My sheep hear my voice. What's well, not a big deal that God spoke to you? So don't over-spiritualize it. God spoke to me. It's just normal. It's a normal conversation. I say, oh, um, my brother, how is your dad? Oh, it's fine. I even spoke to him yesterday. How big deal is that? There's no big deal. We're on the phone. We even had a nice time talking yesterday. I don't look at him and say, oh my goodness, it's very spirit. No, he just spoke to his dad. It's no big deal about it. But Pentecostals, that's it. Some run to say, please, pray for me. Please, any prophecy. I remember I was in one church and I ministered and God opened up and there was a lot of word of knowledge. One woman came to me at the end of the service. In the pastor's office. She knelt down with her husband. He said, Pastor, please pray for me. I said, okay. I said, what should I pray about? He said, anything, Pastor. And what you pray, Pastor, anything you see. I said, listen to me. <laughs> I, said, I said, what do you mean by that? He said, because when you were in the service, you were calling out people and it was accurate. I just said, I said, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, put it on the screen actually. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, put it on the screen. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as. I said, it's one that controls it. The manifestation of the spirit is controls. I'm not in control of that. The only part of it is that it's my own sensitivity. That's all. But I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the author of it. Ah, she said, oh. I said, yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, but Pentecostals. And that's how people have been, vulnerable people have been manipulated. Manipulated over and over again. They burn and say, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I 
And there have been times when people have come to me and said, Pastor, pray for me. And as I was about to pray for them, the Holy Spirit gave me a word. I remember a particular couple came to me in the vestry as I was about to pray for them. They wanted to travel or so. No, they wanted me to pray for a member of the family that was facing the health challenge. So I said, okay, let us pray. As I closed my eyes, before I could even say the word, I just opened up my eyes. And I turned to the lady and I said, I said, how is your job? I said, you need to be grateful. God just spoke to me and said, you're not grateful enough. She just burst out crying. She was facing a, a difficult challenge. And I said, God said, you should be grateful that you even got to this point. So she expressed gratitude and I told her, that was word of knowledge. And I told her by the word of wisdom that accompanies that, what she should do. You know, in praising God during the week. She should praise God, praise God. And she did that. And she landed a fantastic job. Word of knowledge. Just came like that. But it's not controlled by the vessel. If not, you'll be manipulated. So you go to the person, the person say, after the person I've prayed for you, you say, ah. What did God say? Nothing. Ah. With all that long, deep prayer, I didn't hear anything. So pressure comes on the man of God. So the man of God says, hmm, hmm. Nah, don't do that. You need to come to this school. You need to come, come just come to church. You need to be in this school. I'm telling you. It will free you from inferiority. For, I mean, I was in Israel. Tom said I was in Israel. We saw a man. He was fully dressed, like rabbi, by the wall. This was for my 50th birthday. You know, Thompson and I, we just decided to go to Israel to go and spend it with Jesus. Hallelujah. Since his love is always constant. Selah. So anyway, so we saw this man. He was hanging around that wall, around the wall, around the place. So as we were coming out, I've prayed. Thompson had prayed. I won't because men and women don't pray in the same segment, section. So she's prayed. I prayed. So we met and we were going out. So the man looked at me. He pointed at me. He was fully dressed like a rabbi. He wanted to start prophesying to me. So I put my hand in my pocket. So my tour guide, tour guide, ran to me and said, no, 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 no. don't let him say anything. Don't, don't, don't. I said, calm down. I said, calm down. He's, he just needs money to feed his children. So I put my hand in my pocket and I counted out, I think it was 200 shekels or so. I don't know, 200, something like that. Anyway. Equivalent of about as an item, maybe you have $50. And I gave it to him. I said, Feed your family. So I was not telling him, I said, No, don't worry about it. I said, He's doing it because his stomach is empty. But somebody would sit and say, Hey, a, a prophet of the God of Abraham. And you know, when he wants to bring in, when he wants to pray, he's, because he's, he's going to speak in Hebrew. And if you hear the prayer in Hebrew, you would think you don't know how to pray. The tour guide and top center, we went out to eat for lunch. The man said, I should pray, Pastor. So I pray, Father, we thank you for this table. Let the food be life to our body. We appreciate you, we honor you. In Jesus' name. Ah. The man said, I finished. I said, I finished. <laughs> you know, I actually recorded that prayer on my phone. One day I'll play for you. When you hear that prayer, I say, ah, that's what many people are going to be. When the man lifted up the bread, he said, Adonai. Just I'm telling you. He said, Adonai. Then he said something, something, God of Abraham. You know, they don't say Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> then he now said this. This is what he said. He now said something, something, Lehem. So later on, I asked him, I said, What is Lehem? He said, That's bread. He said, Bet Lehem is house of bread. 
Now, if you hear Lehem, you would think it's one deep name of God, but it just means bread. I actually, I actually recorded it. It does sound so powerful, but this man himself, he was just speaking Hebrew. He doesn't even go to synagogue. It was the one they taught him when he was young. You will not be deceived. You will not be deceived. Rejection of spiritual education is an acceptance of practical oppression. Rejection of spiritual education is an acceptance of practical expression. Please, that scripture is Proverbs 11 verse 9, not 19, please. Rejection of spiritual education is an acceptance of practical oppression. May you not reject it in Jesus' name. How do I acquire spiritual education? Next week, we'll continue. We're going to continue that next week. Next week, when we continue, I will break it down for you. Listen carefully. I'll break it down for you next week by the grace of the Almighty God. How? What you and I have to do as we start the Academy of Faith on September 10th. It's just the same way you've come to church right now. And I'll tell you how it will work when I teach. I'll teach like this, then I'll minister also. I'm going to start, usually, you know, our Believers Academy in House of Praise. There is no, uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I can say, I've said it several times publicly. Our Believers Academy, I took the notes from Reverend Sam Adeyemi, Star Christian Center. I went there, I saw their, their, their believers class, whatever it's called, I've forgotten the name they call it now. I loved it. So I took the notes and adapted it. Are you still with me? There's nothing to be ashamed of, okay? Documental Otabi told us, if you're going to copy, just make sure you copy it right. So that's copyright. Thank you, Lord. Of course, with this permission, and I've shared it publicly several times. There's nothing, there's nothing to be, you know, if you, it's when you're looking for originality that you end up in the ditch. Okay? So I took the notes, modified it. More than I say modified, I just, where is this that I just cut, replace, find and replace, put that surprise. That's it. It's as simple as that. There's nothing wrong in it. There's nothing wrong in it. I've said it several times. And then we started, we use it. And it's good. We normally start lesson one is understanding the new birth. That's what we normally start from. But you see, the academy of faith, we're not going to start from that. Because understanding the new birth is starting from the New Testament. We're going to actually start from the creation. The starting from creation. Because some people don't even believe that God is the creator. They believe that they came from evolution. So I'm going to tell you how God created the creation of the earth. Why it is so. Why man was needed. Why Jesus had to come. We're going to start from all of that until before we now got to the new birth. Are you still with me? First semester is going to be a lot of strong strong foundational basis. In the second semester, we now enter into the practical, some practical stuff. Stand on your feet like a champion. <laughs> Friends, we're about to pray now. But please keep standing if you can stand. If you're not physically able, then you can sit. For those of you at home also, jump out of your bed if you're in bed and let's stand together. My precious family, praise God. Now, I want to show you this. I'm going to run through this quickly. Don't worry, but you need to get the understanding. Because I sense somebody here a door, powerful door, needs to open to you today in Jesus' name. All right. All right. Opening impossible doors. Let me go through the scripture quickly for you. This is what I, that's God said to, it's anointed to Cyrus, who's right and I hold, to subdue nations before him and strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him. Doors will open before you. The gates will not be shut. 
I will go before you, I will level the mountains, break down the gates of bronze, cut through the bars of iron. And verse 3, God says, I will give you the hidden treasures in Canada. And in whatever country you're watching from, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Please understand, God still opens doors for men. You see? In 2 Chronicles 20, 22 to 25, though, so let's see how God, what you and I have to do, what is our participatory role in doing this. But first, let me show you this. As they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Monsia, who came against Judah, and they were defeated. Okay? Verse 23. Okay, for the people of Ammon and Moab and all the inhabitants of Nigeria, uh, sorry, of, <coughs> of the place that were against you, they destroy themselves. Whenever they are against you, they will destroy themselves. In the coven, they will destroy themselves. Wherever they are gathered, they will destroy themselves. When Je Listen to this very carefully. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days because there were so much. I want you to do something for me at the back if you can read it. The places, just the phrases that were highlighted, read it straight. Just the phrases that were highlighted. Three, two, one, go. Abundance of valuables, more than they could carry away because there was. That would be your testimony in Jesus' name. So, what are the keys to opening these impossible doors? We have that in Acts 16. So, he said they were praying and they were singing. Praying and singing, and all the doors were open. Let me ask you the question quickly before we start. Do you want some open doors? Yeah. All right, all right. Three people, three people on this on this on this side. Do you want some open doors? Yeah. Let's try that again. If you're online, you can put it on the chat. Do you want some open doors? Yeah. All right. So we're going to take three prayer points quickly. Pray with all of your heart. Before you start, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for this precious children of yours, both online and here, that your spirit of grace and supplication will come upon them now in Jesus' name. That they will not miss this opportunity for a powerful miracle in Jesus' mighty name. This is the first prayer point. My Father, you are the almighty God that can open doors which no man can show. Please open doors for me today in my career, in my business, whatever area. In my immigration, in Jesus' name, come on, open your mouth now and praise. Father, you are the Almighty God. You can open doors which no man can shut. Open doors unto me, oh God, in the ministry you put in my hands. In the name of Jesus. Are you praying, My Father, you are the Almighty God. You can open doors which no man can shut. I have learned, oh God, that he must start in the spirit before he gets into the natural. I pray today you will open doors to house of praise, oh God. 
Doors to house of praise, oh God. Doors to house of praise and all the expressions of house of praise. Kalase, Karazia, Irado, Keten Yazali, Arazia Batoni, Kurase, Kepete de Maloziata, Omalele, Omalegadomaya Kata, pray, Masota Nagalia, Robate Preske Bayeleta, Imamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
Meteri Mataza, Okalosa Mia Lele, Ipatanagarua Sayata. If great and effectual does open up to me, there are many adversaries. I take authority over every adversary, every opposition, every foul spirit, every demonic entity standing between me and the doors that God has ordained for me to open this week, starting from this week. I bind you today in Jesus' name. Open your mouth, church, and pray. Kaskayatala, Eresatefele, Isifra Katandai, Yania Baroski, Late Kazaya, Potelenesia, Rakatakatakana, Ragantonaskayatan. In the name of Jesus, Eketano Mosia, Imprantona Salikata. One more minute, pray. One more minute, pray. Men always ought to pray. Kazatayala. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Ishato Sata, Ishato Sete, Erekas Kataya, Shiramados Kate, Jiramados Kata, Ilatena Mazato, Irakas Katayalaga, Oletaka Deseke Batalaya, O Namatos Katayalaya, be destroyed in Jesus' name. Every opposition to my next level, every opposition to my increase, every opposition to my greatness. Oh, it is written, Psalm 71, verse 21. I, the Lord will increase my greatness and comfort me on all sides. Every opposition to my next level of greatness. I bind you, demonic forces, in Jesus' name. I command the opposition be destroyed in Jesus' name. Be destroyed in Jesus' name. Skataya lagasia, erepatosata, erepatosia, enyananana. Enia katakata, polete nemorasaya, tacos, biliantonaskayata, repaskotaya. Come on, 30 seconds more. Make sure you open your mouth. Yatakos kayata, elezanatayala, okraseke de meyalia, kusanataboske. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Very loud and clear. In Jesus' name, we pray. Final prayer point. I'll show you the scripture first. Don't take it lightly. Something is happening this week. Behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way, to bring you into the place which I prepare. Prayer point. Father, you are the creator and controller of all angels. Send your angels to bring me into the place you have prepared for me. Come on, open your mouth now. Skatayila, okate sepe, mere sutumakata, ilinana tatatata. Father, in the name of Jesus, maskato bare, eketano raskia. You are the creator and the controller of all angels. Psalm 103, verse 20 to 22. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. You created them. You made them. You are the one that sent them. Gabriel, the angel Gabriel said it in his testimony. He said, I was sent by God. Father, you promised you will send your angel to bring me to the place you have prepared for me. Lord, today, send your angels, O God. This day, send your angels. Let your let angelic ministry be activated on my behalf. Let angelic ministry be activated on behalf of my family. Ikisa, Otare, 
Kesa, Tokisiata, Motila, Koseliete, Patena Marosia, Pilande Pilandadada, Okila Tarasonama Piletedia, Orakra Seke Patefekesia, Shina Botona Malesedia, to bring me into the place you have prepared for me, metaphorically, to bring me to that place, oh God, practically, to bring me into that place, oh God, literally, to bring me to the place, oh God, as a figure of speech, to bring me into that place. Bring me in. Take me into the space. The space you have prepared for me, O oh God. Send your angels. Tara, pray. Pray. It's only one minute. One minute more. Pray. Father, you are the creator of angels. Father, you are the controller of angels. In the name of Jesus the Christ, I pray today. Send your angels, O oh God, to move on my behalf. To move on behalf of my family. To move on behalf of the ministry you put in my hands, O oh God. Ekatata, resatakata, melezitan tobaskoya. The mighty name of Jesus. To bring me to the place you are prepared for me. To take me into the space you are prepared for me. To bring me into the realm you are prepared for me. Isakataya, isato yale, ipariyelete, ipriyatalaya. Kozia te 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 te, kozia talimanto, katrazeke bateleya, opanega maratos. Ela, elala, ela, elala. Katona maso para segetele para segere. Shina matos kayata. Ela na kosata le pa kosata ya. Ebra ne katoda maye. Shina nos kataya lira matos kaya. Thank you Lord. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus, mighty name, we are praying. Listen. Listen, maybe somebody here came to this church today, you feel a little bit down. Listen to me. Don't let the enemy cheat you in this face we're about to enter. Only foolish people will be ashamed of what works. A little bit over 23 years I've been doing this. I tell you this, this thing works. God is about to open some doors that you'll be astounded. You will be completely surprised. Doors you knocked upon in your yesterday, you have, they did not open. You didn't even forget it. You knocked upon the door. This week, they will call you. With dignity, they will welcome you to it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Topsy was asking me sometimes ago, she, she said, how is it that when we share testimonies in church, sometimes he says, it's just my observation. Like you will see that people that are watching online, that are, are family online, are the ones that seem to have these very incredible testimonies. I said it's because they tend to believe more. They tend to believe more. Please, I want to let you know, I say this with all profound sense of responsibility. I did not come here because I was sent by an organization. God sent me. God called me and God sent me. And he sent me to you this morning. To administer the power of God, of the Holy Spirit, for doors to be opened in your life you have been knocking upon. Every man of God, every woman of God that God sent, God sends them with, this, with a recipe. Sends them with a recipe. They said to Elisha, they said, the ground, the water, the ground is good, but the water is bad. He said, give me a bowl of salt. It was never repeated in scripture. That was what God sent him with. What about Moses? You shall do signs with this rod. Exodus 4.17. 
God sent people. I'm telling you, this song we're about to sing is a song that has given us properties in this land. It's a song that made this church break into two services, three services, four services that blew this church open. It's a church that put, it's a song that put the devil under our feet perpetually. It's a song that has taken some people, I'm even looking at some of them today. Now they're in this service that used to come on the bus. Today now they own estates in this land. Listen, so I'm going to lead you, but I will call for some people to come forward. And the people I'm going to call to come forward, just wait a minute to hear this. Are, go, are the people that you have an interview this week, just wait before you come. You have an interview this week, or you've done one, they said they will get back to you this week. Or you have made an application, you are expecting the result this week. Listen, we are going to the whole foundations of hell is going to shake. But even if the, your issue is foundational, it will rock hell. Whatever is holding it down, it must let it go today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I want to give you the praise. Thank you for your word. Everyone that acted on your word in scripture obtained a good report. For your word says, for by faith the elders obtained a good report. Lord, thank you for the good report we are going to obtain here. Of mighty doors opening. Impossible doors opening. Regular doors opening. Scheduled doors opening. Thank you for the amazing things that are going to happen in the lives of your children. We give you the glory for that. Blessed be your name, Lord. By the authority of scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit, fully conscious of the mandate God gave me, I speak into your life today. Every door that has been scheduled to open to you since last year, since before the pandemic, that is yet to open. I decree today in the authority of Jesus Christ that has authority in the three worlds, heaven, earth, and under the earth. I command the doors to open now in Jesus' name. 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 Jesus and Terah left the old Chaldeans and got to Haran on his way to Canaan, but he died there. The door he was knocking on was the door of Canaan. He couldn't open it. But Abraham left Canaan, left Aaron, and now got to Canaan. I speak over you. The doors your father has knocked upon. They did their best. But it didn't open for your father. It didn't open for your mother. It didn't open for generations before you. Since one generation must be an improvement on the other generation, I decree today by reason of time and chance that you are now born in this new season. May every godly door, every goodly door that will make you say the lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. May those doors open to you now in Jesus' name. May they open to you now in Jesus' name. This week, starting from now, as I speak now, 
I speak to you by the authority of Christ that sent me. Every demon spirit, demonic entity standing between you and your next level. Psalm 71 verse 21, God will increase your greatness and comfort you on all sides. Whatever is standing between you and your next level of greatness, I come by the supreme authority of Christ against that demonic entity. I command it to be rendered powerless in Jesus' name. You foul demon spirits, let go in Jesus' name. Let go in Jesus' name. Let go in Jesus' name. Let her 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 go in Jesus' name. Let him go in Jesus' name. Let him go in Jesus' name. Members of the tribe of Judah, the household, the tribe, they came to Samson and they bound him. They bound him. Whatever is holding you down, coming from your household, coming from satanic forces, tying you down. Today I speak to the satanic forces holding you down, whether it's legal or not legal. By the authority of Christ, Christ has redeemed you. His blood is more than sufficient. I speak right now to the demonic entities, I address them directly. I say, you foul demonic entities, you have to let these children of God go. It is written, having wiped away every hundred of requirement that is against them, he has taken it out of the way and led to the cross. It is written, your covenant with death shall be annulled and your agreement will show, it shall not stand. Therefore I command you demonic entities, lose her, let her go. Lose him, let him go. In the name of Jesus, lose him, let him go. Lose her, let her go. In the name of Jesus Christ. Any one of you under the tone of my voice, where the door of shame, the door of ridicule has been opened by the authority of Christ. I slam those doors shut in Jesus' name. You will not be put to shame. For every one of you, that this week is a critical week for you. The Bible says he will never, he never left himself without a witness. By the authority of Christ, consciousness of the mandates God gave me to go and empower people to achieve their dreams and fulfill their destiny. I speak over you today. The door you're knocking upon that will advance your destiny this week. Be open to you in Jesus' name. 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 Ancient doors that have been there for a long time that refuse to open, that is sustained by demonic altars and it's been closed against you by the authority of Christ after the order of Judges chapter 6, verse 25 and 26 concerning Gideon. I stand today by the authority of Christ who is the supreme priest. By a supreme priesthood today I stand and I declare all such demonic altars working against your destiny be destroyed in Jesus' name. Be destroyed in Jesus' name. Be destroyed in Jesus' name. Now, if you've not been saying amen before, please say amen as I speak this now. By the prophetic grace that God has placed upon this ministry, today, I shift you from stagnation to progress. I shift you from stagnation to progress. I shift you from stagnation to progress. I shift you from progress to accelerated progress. I shift you from progress to accelerated progress. You will not know barrenness. You will not know barrenness. I cast the root of stagnation. Wherever, just two more. Wherever you have been hidden. And the Gentiles that ought to come to your light are not seeing you. Today, in the name of Jesus, whatever the enemy has put in place to black you out, 
to stop you from being seen, to stop visibility in your life. The book of Mark chapter 7 verse 24 declares, he was in the house, he did not want to be known, but he could not be hidden. Mark 7 24. So after the order of Christ that could not be hidden, today you are a city set upon the hill that cannot be hidden. Listen to me. So over you today by the authority of Christ, I pronounce visibility. I pronounce visibility. I pronounce visibility. I pronounce visibility. Your husband to be will see you. Your wife to see, to be will see you. Your employers to be will see you. They will see you. Your customers will see you. They will see you. They will see you. They will see you. They will see you. Your glory will not be hidden. Your glory will not be hidden. Your glory will not be hidden. Finally, there was famine in Egypt when the members of the family of Joseph came. They came also to queue up like every other person and they queued up. And Joseph was inspecting the line. He saw people from, from, from different lands, different lands. He saw the Moabites, Edomites, he saw all of this. Different, he saw different, different people from different places, strange, strange people. Then he looked, he saw these people. Ah, he said, these are my brothers. These are my brothers. <laughs> these are my brothers. They should not be queuing. And by the authority of Joseph in the land of Egypt, unquestionable authority Joseph had in the land of Egypt, he pulled his brother from the queue brought them into his own house and commanded the servants to go and fill their sacks with grain. Listen, application now. Joseph is the type of Jesus. You are also a brethren. You are part of the brethren. He himself calls you brethren. Okay? Calls you brethren. Alright? Jesus calls you brethren. Alright? So listen very carefully. He has authority over the land. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and those that dwell in it. So he can pull you out of the queue of stagnation. And tell other servants, which now in this case are the angels, to fill your sack. So today I'm representing Jesus Christ here. For when he rose from the dead, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. I stand there today as one representing Jesus Christ. I pull you out of the queue of stagnation. Pull you out of the queue of barrenness. I pull you out of the queue of loneliness. I pull you out of the queue of immigration. In the name of Jesus. By the power of Jesus Christ, may angels be released to fill your heart with good news. To fill your life with good news. To fill your life with good news. Fill your life with good news. Friends, your doors are open. Only two people said amen. Your doors are now open. So, so say this with me if you believe, if you agree with me. Uh, come up there, put it on the screen for me, for them please, so they can see it. Please move, move away from there so they can see it. Move away, come here. Say with me. According to the word of God. I believe and I declare. Now you're going to say it like you really believe it. According to the word of God. I believe and I declare. Regular doors are open to me. Mighty doors are open to me. Impossible doors are open to me. I have become a wonder to many. If that is true in your life, you know what to do now. Open your mouth and give him a shout. I said a shout. 
please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.